If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. That's what we're going to talk about today. And is change possible? And we live, you know, in a time where uh, there's kind of a mixed, mixed group of responses on that. Uh, some people say, you can't change. And don't try and change people, because that's unethical. <laughs> Other people say, wait a minute, you can change. You can change your, your gender, you can change this, you can change that. Uh, I think people are confused. How many think people are confused? Uh, can we change or can't we change? Can a leopard change its spots? Uh, or an Ethiopian the color of his skin? Then how can you who are accustomed to e- do evil change? Well, the fact is you can change. Maybe not your skin or your spots, but you can, in fact, change through the power of God. That's what we're going to talk about today, okay? So let's pray and ask the Lord to lead us, guide us today in our study. Father in heaven, bless us today as we look at your word, and we, we thank you. We come in Christ's name. Amen. So, you know, we talk about genetics um, but before we do that, how many atoms are there in a human cell? Did you count those up today? Uh, Dr. Appeal, maybe he knows this. What would you say, Dr. Appeal? You would agree? All right. How many atoms? Well, there's about 10 to the 14th power atoms in the typical human cell, or 100 trillion atoms. Okay, so look at that person next to you and say, you are a big deal. <laughs> All right. How many cells are there in the human body? Same answer. I'm trying to help you. Estimated to be the same as the number of atoms. Again, the person next to you is not only, not only deep, they're wide. Because if you stretched out their DNA end to end, it'd go 744 million miles. Now don't try and do that. You might kill somebody trying to stretch out their DNA. But the person next to you is much deeper and wider than you thought. Amen? Hello? Okay. And of course, humans have 23 homologous, homologous pairs of chromosomes. One for the dad, one for the mom. And thus humans have 46 chromosomes. And these are changed into different things. Uh, different cells that you need in your body, but DNA is only half of the story. DNA in our bodies is wrapped around proteins called histones. Both the DNA and the histones are covered with chemical tags. And this second structure layer is called the epigenome. Epi above, genome above the genes. So what does this do? The epigenome shakes the physical structure of the genome. Methylation of the histone usually turns the genes off. And actylation turns the genes on. So unwrapped genes are turned on. They're open and available to uh, show themselves for who they are. Tightly wrapped or methylated genes are turned off. And so they're, they're packed and, 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 and are not easily accessible, so they're not really being used. Um, the DNA is fixed for life, but the epigenome is flexible. It's what? 
So look at that person next to you and say, you are flexible. <laughs> and then look at them again and say, no, you are fixed for life. And then look at yourself and say, I'm confused. But really, the epigenome is uh, really the thing we talk about when we talk about changeability. Um, the genome, by the way, doesn't change, I mean, the, the DNA doesn't change in like 300 years. You can change someone's DNA, but it takes about 300 years from what I've read. So this is why you don't find, you know, twin studies showing that this happened, this causes this or that or whatever. But epigenetic studies, when you see changes, the epigenome can change rapidly, which we're going to talk about. Genetic tags are passed down through generations, and when the zygote is formed, epigenetic tags, many of them are removed from the chromosomes of the parents, but some remain. So you do usually keep the good genes. This is why some people are called Eugene. <laughs> that means good genetics. And we have an example right here with us of Eugene, good genetics. And his mother thought so and named him that. Uh, my, my mother called me epigenetics. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Eugene. So, my DNA may be do it, does not fly uh, really in, in, in a court and doesn't really fly in life, you could say. Epigenetic inheritance was previously believed that the genetic information was passed only through DNA, but now... They know that a parent's experiences are passed to offspring through epigenetic tags. So this mother's a smoker. Let's say she's pregnant. She has a fetus, and that fetus also has reproductive cells. And so you have the iniquity of the mother visiting <laughs> uh, the child to the third and fourth generation right there almost in one picture. Fascinating. Now, these are identical twins. These are identical twins. Did you know that? Do they look identical? The difference is this in the Agouti gene, and it's expressed because of the diet. So the diet of the parent, if it has a yellow coat color, is obese and prone to diabetes and cancer. It's unmethylated. But when the Agouti gene is methylated, the coat color is brown and the mouse is sleek and has a low disease risk. So how many of you have ever met identical twins that eat different diets? And so one has more disease than the other. This can happen, right? Because of this disease expression. The difference came in the area of epigenetics. So you can do things that unlock or lock up the genes. Ernie, will you give it a rest? Hey, a walk a day keeps the disease and diabetes away. So these are the identical twins out walking around. So... The nutrition of the mother can affect the epigenome of the fetus. Stress hormones also travel from the mother to the fetus to affect the epigenome. So a good mom, high grooming, licking of pups. This is not humans. We usually don't lick our children, but this is rats. Um, if you, if the, <laughs> if you're licking your kids, as a good rat does. They have a larger hippo on campus, a hippocampus, less cortisol released with stress, calmer when startled, less methylation in the hippocampus neurons. Bad mom, low grooming, licking of pups, less serotonin, smaller hippocampus, more cortisol, 
which means more stress, more methylation in the hippocampus neurons. Can you see the difference that nurture actually makes? The expression of genes in brain regions that regulate stress activity can be transmitted from one generation to the next through behavior. So they've actually done studies, you know, where you have just a wonderful or a terrible parent, let's say, or with these rats, they did studies where they would traumatize them with some loud noise or some terrible event. At the same time, they were smelling, they were breathing in some type of odor. And then the next generation, genetically of those rats, or epigenetically of those rats, I'm almost confusing myself, that next generation, if they just hear the sound or just smell the smell and don't have the traumatic event, they'll be traumatized. And that would go on for a number of generations, like three generations. Does that make sense? And you're going to see how that, that factors out. And some of you have come from homes where you had, you know, um, aces. What are aces? What's an ace? An adverse childhood experience, right? And you may remember what happened to you, but some of you are come to, to life with an epigenetic ace hit that's influencing you, maybe you don't even know it, which is why we do premarital counseling, right? We get trying to get people to express their aces so they can put bandages on them. So um, this is why counseling, premarital counseling is actually important, but most people don't want to listen to it because they think that the way a person looks physically is really the issue. Well, <laughs> no, it's not really it. So look at this happens. Infant abuse associated with increased DNA methylation in the rodent brain. Maltreatment versus nurturing. You can see the DNA methylation that comes through the epigenetic expression or lack of it. And then also prenatal stress predicts DNA methylation in, in mice. Um, intimate partner violence experienced during pregnancy predicts DNA methylation in children. And the effect persists until 10 to 19 years old. So if you saw your, your parent you know, beat up by the other parent, and this doesn't just go male to female, some goes, sometimes goes female to male, um, this can impact you greatly. The degree of methylation with the partner violence versus no partner violence. And there are certain types of behaviors that people get involved in that the substance abuse and the intimate partner violence is very high in those subcultures, in those lifestyles. And those lifestyles are being very promoted today as if they make no difference. But substance abuse is highest in those lifestyles as is intimate partner violence. So it's not bullying from other people, it's they're hurting each other. How many of you are interested in what I'm saying? Okay. Now we're getting down to this idea of change possible, but I'm just laying a foundation here a bit. Childhood abuse associated with increased DNA methylation in the human brain, the control, suicide in the non-abused, suicide in the abused. Notice, those who have been abused have higher rates of what? Suicide. It does impact you if you've been abused. And there are then, how do we deal with this? Well, there are environmental factors, stress, social interactions, physical activity, exposure to toxins and diet, are major factors that affect the epigenome that we have something to do with. We can eat the right things, 
even though we've been raised in the wrong way. We can find ways to mitigate those things. We don't have to smoke or use drugs or pesticides, different things, right? There's some things we can't do anything about, but there are many things that we can. And this is not just for moms, this is also dads. Dads also can impact their kids when it comes to their smoking, impacts the body mass index of their sons, but not daughters. Parental grandfather's food supply can affect their grandsons, but not their granddaughters. So a dad can have an impact, his choices can have an impact on the health of the kids. For those of you who are having kids, you might want to think about this. Exposure in the male can affect the development of health of males for at least two generations. So it's not just the moms, but also the dads. And not only have the effects of early life adversity on DNA methylation been documented, but evidence is accruing that it also impacts areas like depression, psychosis, post-traumatic stress disorder, substance abuse, suicide, etc. So the summary then, and then we'll get into some of the spiritual things here, is this. Epigenetics has opened a new field of genetic research. It muddles the nature versus the nurture argument. And personal responsibility towards health for future generations is something that's important. In other words, you can make a choice. You can make choices that will impact impact not only you, but generations to come. Which is why... We have places like church, and we have things like sermons, and we have things like counseling, because it does make a difference. It's not like busy work. It's not like I come here and say, okay, what can I say today because it's about me? No, it's about you, and it's about all of us, because this makes a difference. This is why church is important. Okay? All right. Trying to remind myself, okay? Many writings, of course, in the early 20th century spoke of religion as pathological or a psychological dysfunction. People like Freud, people like Ellis. Religious belief is synonymous with emotional disturbance, and the more religious you are, the worse it is. But then he began to watch things, and even he, a secular humanist researcher, had to say this. I think I can safely say that the Judeo, that would be the Old Testament Christian, New Testament, Bible is a self-help book that has probably enabled more people to make more extensive and intensive personality and behavior what? Behavior what? What's the title of the sermon? Is change possible? (laughs) More what? Intensive personality and behavioral changes than what? All professional therapists combined. By the way, the first person that people turn to in America for counseling is always pastors, more than anyone else. So if you want to really help a lot of people become a pastor, okay, that's, they get turned to all the time for this. And if you can help it, get some training also in counseling and psychology and Bible things so you have a clue. Because they're going to turn to you. And it's important. Especially if you want to help people change to have better lives, more productive lives. 
So now let's look at the spiritual epigenetics. First of all, the bad news, we've already seen it, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children until the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, right? That's right out of the commandments, second commandment, right? Thou shalt not, not make into thee any graven image or any likeness, any heaven above or earth beneath. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord, thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. So this idea of idolatry or images or imaginations that are not biblical can really mess you up, right? And it can mess up the next generations. And we have, we're in an epidemic of uh, fake stuff. The internet is filled with fake stuff. It's all images. Hello? It's fake relationships too. Instead of intimacy with your spouse, it's with someone on a screen. Does that mess you up? Does it mess other people up? That's visiting the iniquities of the fathers upon the children. And it can mess people up for generations. So it needs to be changed. Right? That's the idea. As a rule, children inherit the dispositions and tendencies of their parents. The, you know, what's this? the apple does not fall too far from the tree. And imitate their example so that the sins of the parents are practiced in the children from generation to generation. Thus the vileness and the irreverence of Ham were reproduced in his posterity, bringing a curse upon them for many generations. In fact, some places in the Bible it says ten generations. Our ancestors have bequeathed to us customs and appetites which are filling the world with disease. The sins of the parents through perverted appetite are with fearful power visited upon the children to the third and fourth generations. Bad eating, gluttonous and self-indulgent habits, intemperance in drinking, tea, coffee, wine, beer, rum, and brandy, using tobacco, opium, and other narcotics has resulted in great mental and physical degeneracy. This is why we have an institution called, you know, Weimar University to heal a what? A hurting world. And Jesus went in all the synagogues and all about Galilee, preaching and teaching the doctrine of the kingdom, gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and disease among the people. He started in Galilee, which is 40 miles by 70 miles. Some people think they have to go around the world. He only went across the street. And then he said, you can go around the world. Matthew 9.35, 4.23, In the middle is the Sermon on the Mountain, which is all about the Ten Commandments, which were designed to change people's mind and their lives. Does that make sense? Um, negative things are inherited. Some have had quick tempers transmitted to them in their education, and a child has not taught them self-control. And the devil, of course, is in the details. In our own strength, it's impossible for us to deny the clamors of our fallen nature. Why well, do you remember that? So that's saying change is not possible without some help. Through this channel, Satan will bring temptation upon us. The enemy would come to every human being to take advantage of hereditary weakness and by his false insinuations to ensnare. So that's enough bad news. How many would like to have some good news now? Good news. 
But visiting iniquities of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. But showing what? Mercy. Mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Now don't get that mixed up. It's not I keep my commandments so that he will love me and then show me mercy. It's not in that order in the text. You are only alive today because of the mercy of God. Mercy is unmerited favor. It's not something you merited. And it's what starts this cascade of change. Remember that. The legalist is someone who thinks that I'll keep the commandments and then Christ will love me and then I'll be shown mercy. No! And that's a ball and chain and it's a yoke and many people in Christianity are carrying that around. And you might think they're Christians and they don't need evangelism. They do. They need evangelism as much as anybody anywhere else in the world. Because that is a heavy yoke. How many of you are following what I'm saying? So mercy, love, then obedience. Not obedience, love, then mercy. Are you with me? That concept alone is the genesis of change because it's a God who loved you when you were unlovable, just like your mother did. Your mother loved you when you were ugly. I mean, everybody goes into the birthing room, oh, what a beautiful baby. Okay. And the lies begin right then. I mean, in a sense, they're beautiful, but how many of you are understanding what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of emails about that. <laughs> All right, so, so this whole idea. And look at this, the genetics, uh, wonderful genetics that some of us are bequeathed with. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that was in thee, which first dwelt in thy grandmother, Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded in you also. Some of us have this genetic heritage. I'm very thankful for the good things your parents passed on to you. They passed on bad things, but they also passed on good things. Yeah. On the other hand, how richly rewarded was Shem's respect for his father, and what an illustrious line of holy men appears in his posterity. So even though... <laughs> As Dr. Appeal pointed out in his encyclopedic message the other day, that everybody has kind of messed up. It's true, but there's also those that demonstrated faith in every generation too, right? And we want to be with that group. Um, at the end of time. So we need to reset the what? The epigenetics is the issue. And that is where the gospel comes in. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation, the word sozo, to change, to be healed physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. The gospel, the power of God. That's why we come to a place like that. That's why we read the Bible. That's why it transforms us. It informs us. It transforms us. It reforms us. Right? I'm not ashamed of Paul says. Why was Paul not ashamed? Because he's a murderer. He's a religious, legalist murderer. Did he need evangelism? Yeah. And God reached down when he was bad. 
He did. He says, I'm not ashamed. The power of God and the salvation to everyone who believes, who has faith for the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. That is, the just shall justified shall be sanctified, justification and sanctification, by faith. And by the way, that's, that's a lot I just said there, right? Justification and sanctification by faith. Not, not by you, but by what God does for you and then what God does in you. How many of you are following me? Well, this is very important. And he's saying that. Wow. Now, resetting the epigenetics. In our own strength, it is impossible for us to deny the clamors of our fallen nature. That sounds kind of fatalistic, doesn't it? And we're going to finish the quote now, because it's not. But it's important to know, the, have the assurance of, what would you say, the assurance of damnation, before you'll appreciate the assurance of salvation. You've got to know where you are to realize where you need to be. You've got to understand that you're lost if you're going to be saved. A lot of people don't understand they're lost. Right? So it's impossible. That's, that's the lost. We're lost. In our own strength to deny the clamors of the fallen nature. Through this channel, Satan will bring temptation Upon us, and Christ knew that the enemy would come to every human being to take advantage of heredity weaknesses, weakness, and by his false insinuations to ensnare all who, whose trust is not in God. Everyone. You, you don't have any perfect people in this room. Nobody. But he comes down, and as a human, came and was victorious where you were not. And that's our only hope. That's our only hope. Now notice what happens. By passing over the ground which man must travel, our Lord has prepared the way for us to overcome. Can you say hallelujah? It is not his will that we should be placed at a disadvantage in the conflict with Satan. Be of good cheer, he says. I have. That is the foundation of change. Can you say hallelujah? The converting power of God can transform. Read this closely because this is the opposite of what you're hearing in the secular media today and science today. The converting power of God can transform inherited and cultivated tendencies. Say that with me. The converting power of God can transform inherited and cultivated tendencies. <laughs> That's DNA and epigenetics, okay? Can you, can you say hallelujah? So don't say, That's just the way I am. I had a man who was involved in uh, very depressing. Anxiety producing suicidal ideation, breeding lifestyle choices. And I asked him out on the trail here, not so long ago, I say, When did this all really accelerate in your life? It says, When I was in a class at a college, which I won't name, 
wasn't this college. I was in a class at a college where the religion professor said, you really can't change certain things. So don't try and fight against your compulsions. Accept them. It's who you are. And he said, since that time, everything fell apart in my life. What the teachers should have read them is this statement. The converting power of God can transform inherited and cultivated tendencies for the religion of Jesus is uplifting. Born again means a transformation, a new birth in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And this is our text. Therefore, <laughs> and by the way, this is therefore is in the book of Corinthians, and the Corinthians were not known to be Puritans, although they were called to be saints, it says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, in other words, an original formation. Old things have passed away, as they go by the wayside. Behold, all things have what? Become new. Now, some people, unfortunately, there's a strain of theology, even within the Adventist church, that tries to say everybody in the world is already in Christ. They just have to be told that. This is a heresy. <laughs> okay. Uh, because... In Romans, it tells us, greet Andronicus and Junia, who were in Christ, what? Before me. <laughs> so, we must make a decision to allow Christ to come into our lives, because that's the only hope of real change. How many of you think that's important to point out? And this is why we need to be bold and not have psychobabble all the time with people and say stuff that won't offend them. Because they're going to be lost. They're not going to have the power they need to change anything in their life without Christ. So you might want to get around to finding a tactful way of sharing that with them. Don't talk about the ten things that social psychologists tell us. Or this or that. Or Don't spend all your time with that. Because there's no power there. They'll pay you the bill for talking to them. But how many think you might want to introduce them to the power? Transformative power. Apart, um, this is why it's important. Apart from divine power, no genuine reform can be affected. Human barriers against natural and cultivated tendencies, natural and, the same, same phrase, right? Are but as a sandbank against the torrent. And they might stop it for a little bit during your 18-day program or your 10-day program, or your five-day stop-smoking program, they might stop it for a little bit, but it won't be lasting unless what happens? Power of God comes in. Not until the life of Christ, in Christ, right? If anyone be in Christ. Not until the life of Christ becomes a vitalizing power in our lives can we resist the temptations that assail us from within and from without. 
Even secular scientists are beginning to see this power. The largest researcher, or most quoted, not largest, Roy Baumeister says, look, there's some kind of power working when we look at these studies that incorporate religion. They quoted this in their book, Eric Clapton. Asked for help, I asked for help. Getting down on my knees, I surrendered since that moment. He says he never seriously considered taking another drink. That night, Clapton was suddenly blessed with self-control, which is not something you gum up and push up and say, I'm going to do better, and just I'm going to do that. That might work for a while. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit, folks. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. It's not a gift of you self-lashing yourself. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it? And, and, and the Holy Spirit gets credit for it. You don't. He does. How many of you following what I'm saying? So, here it is. Uh, this is the epigenetic chapter, okay, um, in the Bible. That is kind of like the commentary that is actually describing what that commandment meant. This is the iniquities upon the children of the third and fourth generation. Fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth are set on edge. That's aces. Such adverse childhood experiences. As I live, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this problem in Israel. I don't like aces that are impacting multiple generations. He says, I don't like that. So what needs to happen? Ezekiel 18, 14. If, however, he begets a son who sees all the sins his father have done, has done, and considers them, but does what does it say next? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Th there can be a what? A change. Can you say hallelujah? You can see. You can consider. <laughs> but you don't have to do likewise. So there can be something that changes. And it does change things. You know, if you move from a non-vegetarian diet to a vegan diet, it's going to impact your diabetes. It's going to impact your weight. It's going to impact your blood pressure. It's going to impact your cholesterol, right? That's basically new start in five slides. But how can you actually affect that for more than just momentary within a group setting where you're locked on a campus and the only thing available is the Weimart? <laughs> he sees, he considers, but he does not do likewise. The only sustainability is not a locked dormitory or a closed campus. Jeremiah 31 gives the answer. It's, by the way, the largest quotation from the Old Testament to the New in terms of a passage. Jeremiah 31, verse 29 through 34. But let's get to the heart of it. You know, 
Starts out saying the same thing. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. I don't like that proverb. Soul that sinneth it shall die. I'm going to do something new. I'm going to make a new covenant with the house of Israel. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers who rejected it. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. Everyone will know me. They won't have to tell their neighbor. Why? Because I will do something. Now notice it's not you doing it. This is better promises than your promises. Your promises are like ropes of sand. Work. But his promises are better. Look at these promises. What, what's he say? I will read this with me. I will what? Put my law in your heart minds. And I will write it in their hearts. It'll be IQ and EQ, right? I will do what? Forgive their iniquity. I will. How many of you think God's promises might be more effective than yours? How would you like to claim God's promises instead of your own? I'm claiming this promise, God. You said it right here. I'm asking you to just do what you've said in my life. Uh, how do we do this? The process, practically, as we're closing up here. As many as did what? Received. Received him. To them he gave power to become the sons of God, even though they believe on his name. So the first real big thing is receiving him. I would like to receive you into my life. Even to them that believe on his name. I believe you have power. I believe there was someone named Jesus. I believe he came and he saved people not in their sins, but from their sins. I believe that. And I would like that. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So I want to live not by my will, my willpower, but by your will, your willpower. Not by the will of my flesh, but the will of God. Is there a difference? Is there a difference? Big difference. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I, look at, read this with me, it's so beautiful. I will what? And I will what? And I will be what? Look at that. He will dwell in you and walk in you, and he will be your God. You can be his people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing. And I I will what? And I will be a what? And you shall be as what? I will be a father unto you. You shall be sons and daughters. This is a new family. It's not like your thermonuclear family. It's a divine family. Where God is your father. And you don't have to always be going back in your mind, victimized and say, this is the reason I should still drink. No. Because you have a new father. You're born again. You have a new family of origin. You don't have to go back and let those be triggers. You're a victor because you're in the victor's family. Hello? Your brother was victorious. He's not ashamed to call you his brethren, by the way, either. And you're in a new family. You have a new DNA reset, an epigenetic reset. Hallelujah! <laughs> With strong crying and tears, this is what it cost. He sent his petitions to heaven that his human nature might be strengthened. Had the same nature as you do. 
that he might be braced to meet the wily foe in all his deceptive working and fortified to fulfill his mission of uplifting humanity. To his workers, he says, I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. And what did he do? Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what? But what? Why is it, what's he mean, not my will? That's his human nature. That's what you struggle with. Don't be saying, I will by my will do your will, because that won't work. Say, not my will, but thy will I'm going to do. No, be done. I'm going to allow you to do that in me, Father. In my human nature, which is just like yours and mine. And when you pray that prayer, what happens? What happens? Notice the next verse. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. What? (laughs) What did it strengthen him for? To do the will of God. If Jesus himself needed that strengthening, how many think you might need it? Don't go on that you're the strong one. And don't let people convince you that you're, you're not the strong one. He's the strong one. And you need help from angels. You don't need pop psychology. You need help from angels. How many of you are following what I'm saying? <laughs> you don't need more Steve Covey books. The 12 rules, the 14 suggestions, the three principles. I don't know what they're all called. You need the power of God. And you need the angels. And are they not ministering spirits sent to those who are heirs of salvation? You know what Ellen White, one of her favorite songs was? She lived over here not too far away. There are angels hovering round. There are angels hovering round. There are angels hovering round. Sang it all day in her house. Why'd she sing that? Because she needed the angels hovering round. Do you need that? Do I need that? And that's that simple prayer, not my will, but... And then an angel came and strengthened him. And that same angelic force is still available for you and those you're ministering to. How many think it might be wise to introduce people to the real power? Angels are ever-present where they're most needed. And they're with those who have the hardest battles to fight. Here it is again. With those who must battle against inclination and heredity tendencies whose home surroundings 
are and have been the most discouraging. This is not a time to tell people, oh, that's just the way you are. Don't fight it. And have them have a, a life of depression, anxiety, and disease. It's a time to introduce people to the power of God who can change, wonderfully change, the most hopeless situation for his glory. Would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.